the members you're trying to get going out who are real nervous about going out will feel better if they feel comfortable about their approach. See, if I'm going to the door and it's like, what do I do? Well, I don't know. Wing it. When you get up there, forget it. They're not going out, right? But if you can tell them and say, look, we're going like this, and they're like, hey, that sounds legitimate. I think I can do that. And they're not going to shoo me off their porch. Then you're going to get further with your own people. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Uh, now, number, the next point here, we're on page 200, letter D. Um, Furthermore, it may, not, it may be helpful not to associate yourself with the Seventh-day Adventist Church right from the outset. I'm not saying not to. I'll explain it in a minute. This is not because we are ashamed of our name, but because of the growing prejudices that exist regarding Adventists. You'll notice that when we do... Listen, I'll put it this way. When somebody who's experienced in evangelism does an evangelistic meeting, he's not going to advertise it as Adventist. Church members are up in arms. I've, I've fought this in every church that I've been in. I, I, I've learned that the people who do the least active evangelism seem to know the most about it. Yeah. I've been doing this for 20 years, but every church member who, who's, who came out one afternoon knows more than I know about it. Exactly. It's like, well, we ought to do this. And, I, and don't misunderstand me, but there's a reason that we don't do a, an evangelistic meeting as a rule in some places. Now, some places we do. But we'll get a neutral hall. That means it's not Adventist, it's not Baptist, it's not something else, and it may be. I've rented churches of other... But when I put the flyer out, the flyer doesn't have any denomination on it. Why? Because I want people from all denominations to feel free to come to it. I can't tell you how many people... I've been, in fact, I remember the fire chief when I was in Coldwater, Michigan, retired fire chief, came out to the meetings. And he said to me at one point in the meeting, I'd, it was well, we were probably two-thirds of the way done, he said, as I was visiting him with him and his wife, he said, I just really appreciate... Um, we did it in a neutral location. We didn't do it in our church. So he was commenting on that. And he said, you know, I know that it's Adventist. I know the members of your church. You know, I've been in this community. But he said, I really appreciate you doing this in a neutral place because it just, it, it, it communicated to us that you weren't just about making us members, but you really cared enough about the message that we know it. Wow. And uh, I can just tell you story after story. So I'm not going to tell you, not, here's what I'd say. I guess I'm saying this for the benefit of you're going to work with evangelists, you're going to work with pastors. Don't give your pastor a hard time and he's like, we're not going to go out and identify ourselves as Seventh-day Adventists. Don't give him a hard time about that. I'm going to tell you that if most pastors are not going to tell you that you have to do it that way. I'll tell people, somebody says, for example, when I go to a door, I'm just going to say I'm with Amazing Facts Ministry. I'm a representative. We're following up on this, that, or the other. I'm with BibleStudyOffer.com. And if they ask me, are you, what, what denomination is this with? My first answer is always, oh, we serve all denominations. Because we do. Because, the, the re and here's the thing, though. Most people that will ask that are probably a little contentious anyway. But I'll give that answer. And if they say, but what denomination are you? And then I'll say, personally, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. So, I mean, it's not like I want to hide it, but I don't want that to be the focal point. And that's, that's my experience has said that that is an avenue I've had more people than I can count tell me, man, if I knew these meetings had been Seventh-day Adventists, I never would have come. I mean, I just, that's, you know, but, but I've had members who said, I just, I feel like I'm being dishonest. And I said, then you say you're a Seventh-day Adventist. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you not to, but I'm going to tell you that you will be in training places. You'll be in where you, that's where you're not the, the explanation and this is how we're going to do it is not going to be, hey, we're Seventh-day Adventists. And part of that, I didn't include the whole statement, again, for sake of space and time, but from Gospel Workers 119 and 120, there's a great statement. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing. But she says there under 
uh, right before you get to letter E, in laboring in a new field, do not think it your duty to say at once to the people, we're Seventh-day Adventists. She says it's going to put a prejudice up in front of the people. It's going to put a barrier there that doesn't need to be there in some places. Now, in some places, they'd be like, you're like, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. They're going to be like, a what? You know, it doesn't matter. Okay? Um, but in, I've had situations happen where I start studies with somebody. And this has happened with friends and students, too. Where they're like, oh, that's fine. You know, I'm fine with that. But then they tell their parents, and their parents are like, what? You're studying with a what? Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, you don't want to study with them. I mean, that happens a lot, too. So, um, I mean, when you're doing studies, you're, it's, it's going to be evident, and it's not like you're going to hide it forever. I'm talking about generally initial approach. For me, I approach with some ministry. Um, but there are times, it depends on the different approach I'm using, when we went the community, with the community wellness logo, um, the survey that we used when we went out on outreach was a needs survey. If our church put on this, would you be interested? This, would you be interested? This is a list of things that we can do. Then I would approach him and I'd say, I'm, you know, Mark with the uh, Community Wellness Service of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Westerville here, and we are just out surveying people to see what the community would be interested in. So it, dep it can depend on the approach. So again, I'm just uh, telling you that in, there are times when it may be helpful not to identify yourself right up front or be the first thing you say that you're Seventh-day Adventist, but I would not be uh, hiding it and I would not be working in a manner that is at all uncomfortable. Like the last thing you want to do is do something where you're like, uh, 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 and you're acting all nervous and uncomfortable. You, you want to just do what's comfortable with, with it for you. And the Lord will be able to work you through that. So, um, Letter E, map out a work area. Now, I've got a little sample map there, but find an area that you're going to work in. Maybe it's near your church. Maybe it's just around your church. Maybe there's another area your church is targeting where you're trying to find interest. Maybe there's a couple places in town. There's over here and there's over here. Maybe it's the whole city of Detroit, you know, and you're just, you've got all kinds of places. And so what you're doing is you're going to have to find, you're going to have to zone out your areas, big or small, like where are we going to target? If you don't do that, you're going to over, you got people going out. You don't know where you went last week. Where are we going this week? You're overlapping territory. You got people, and this has happened to me before, where they're like, we had some of you guys come here just yesterday. We had some of you, you guys here were five minutes ago because you didn't know what streets you were on because people got mixed up. You don't want that. And so just pick an area and map it out. I've got this one here on the map in quadrants. And, and, and I may... So I've got little four little sections. Let's say I'm going to start here. Let's just say I'm going to start my little ministry in my church. I just have a handful of people. We're going to work this area first before we go into something else. And I put it into four little blocks. Now, I may have four teams, and I put a team in each one of those blocks. And I say, you guys do this one, you guys do this in each zone. Or I may say, let's all go to zone one. And then next week, zone two. Now, uh, something else when it comes to mapping out your area there are areas in cities you might want to you might want to work back and forth in different areas there are some areas that are going to be every area is the responsiveness of an area is going to be different okay so for example when we were in south haven all up and down up the coast of south haven are, are uh, vacation homes okay so number one the person who had that area found a lot of people not home. When we have our students go out, and, and the ones who were home, because it's more affluent homes on the lake, they have more affluent homes, there's a lot less receptiveness. Doesn't mean they're not. You've got to go there. Highways and hedges. But 
you, you may, if you're working an area and you work those affluent areas, it could be overwhelming and discouraging, and you might just want to switch up and go to another area. Now, I'm going to tell you on the flip side of that, we would go to the, poor, the poorer neighborhoods. You'll get, and a lot of times, generally, you'll get a whole lot of responsiveness. So we did, uh, we had an evangelistic meeting in Kalamazoo. We had an Emmanuel session, had our students going out in Kalamazoo. One of the guys, one of our teams, they were in, right down in the downtown heart in the most po poor section of town, drug dealers and everything like that. Oh, this guy come back with the stories, man. And students love to hear the stories. He's a good storyteller too. Man, I had a great night tonight. You wouldn't believe it. I met this guy. He was walking out on the street. And he's a drug dealer, right? And he's like, hey, what do you got, man? And I went up and started telling him. He's like, awesome. Could I get Bible studies? And I'm, oh, well. I don't know if any of his studies ever panned out. A lot of times, and I'm not trying to be uh, sound discriminatory here or what have you, but a lot of people in those neighborhoods are there because they have a hard time following through with commitments. Not everybody, I'm not trying, but I'm just telling you that demographically, that's, you, so you got one place over here and it's like, well, we don't like to go over there because they all say no, and we go over here and we like this because they all say yes, but it may not all pan out that way. So there are different neighborhoods. So you might, as you're working your, your, your area and your map, you might just say, you know what, we're going to work this area this Sabbath, and then next time we go out, we'll work this area, and we'll go back and forth or whatever. But to have the areas outlined helps you to keep on top of what you're doing and to also learn a little bit about the demographic of your city. When I'm taking people out, and if I'm doing this, I'm just starting this out, you know, you're going up and down the street. You go in, in pairs. One of the things that I've tried to do, and I'm going to get to this when we talk about the time limit of going out door to door, how much time do you allot for it? I like to make it as easy as I can for my teams because it's already hard for them <laughs> going out door to door. And so sometimes, in fact, oftentimes what I'll do is I may take two areas but I'll have a team working each side of the street. I've noticed, especially for new people going out and you're knocking on the doors and you're already nervous, there's just something comforting of knowing that whatever I'm suffering here, they're suffering right across the street. And I know that I've got another team. And if somebody comes out and they're going to kill, try to kill me for some reason, which isn't going to happen, but I can call for help and the team across the street can hear. And sometimes I've even gone and like, here's a long street, and I'll say, you, this team, you start here and this on this side of that street. And on the other end of the street, you guys and you guys. And it just, if it can give them confidence and help them to feel a little more at ease, then I'll do that sometimes. So we might all just get into one of those quadrants. Well, I'll do number one today. Or I might do teams in one and two, but I might, you know, double them up like that. Now, when we had our students in Emmanuel, I mean, after time, it was just you're, you've got team, a team of two people had all of Area 1. You understand what I'm saying? But a lot of times, especially with newer ones, it's not going to hurt to combine it. Um, you're not going to cover as much territory as fast, but you, that's not your goal. The Lord knows where the people are. And so anyway, you want to map out your work area. Got, you understand what I'm getting at there? Okay. Letter F, plan a door approach. Okay, you don't want to wait until last minute for this. I used to, I'm telling you some of this because when I started out, I used to not, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to tell everybody what to do. And so I'd be like, look, if you want to do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. It's, it's, you can do any one of them as long as you go. And they're looking at me like, I thought you were the leader, right? 
I mean, don't I, tell me what to do. Uh, you can use this study if you want, or you can use that study if you want, and they're just like, I'm scared to death to be here. I just don't want to decide any more than I have to. So I realized that my role was I needed to make sure, look, this is the approach we're going to use, this is the study we're going to use, and if they wanted to branch off from that, and you will have, you'll have lone rangers in every group. You have people like, well, I like to do it this way. Great, you know, after this, you can go out and knock yourself out somewhere else, but this is what we're doing here today. And you're going to have to sometimes hold the line on that as a leader, and you'll have your people, and if, because most of your people are looking for direction. And so you want to have that ready. What am I going to do? And so door approach, what do I mean? Well, I can go out. I like something we use called a community religious survey. And I was asked about that. So I'll try to bring those for you tomorrow. And the community religious survey is basically it goes like this. I'll go to the door. I'll say, my name's uh, Mark. This is my friend Janice. We're with Emanuel Institute. We're in your neighborhood conducting a survey about people's religious opinions. And I wondered if you had a couple minutes to help us out. It's as easy as that. And, and I have a canvas written out. I'll tell you with canvases, um, you know, canvases are written, you can read them and you can memorize them, but the purpose for a canvas is not to read at the door. It's just to give you an idea of what to say, but you want to personalize it. You don't want to get to the door and be like, oh, rigid. You want to try to make it natural. And let me just say this, when you do outreach like that, it still happens for me. There's a warm-up period where you're just going to go and put your foot in your mouth. It's not going to come the way. And then after you do a few, you're going to kind of relax a little and say, boy, that sounds stupid. I need to get better at that. And, oh, I should have said this. And, oh, I should have said that. Don't beat yourself up too bad. Just keep on at it. It's the warm-up period. There are, exceptions. there are people who are exceptions to that, but I'm not one of them. I need the warm-up period. And it's just, it's just the way it goes. But you may take the community religious service. So when I ask that question, then, of course, there... It, you know, are they going to take it or not? Do you have a couple minutes to spare? And then the questions are questions like, um, do you believe in God? Uh, who do you believe Jesus Christ is? And I could give you the list. Now, there's, it's, a, it's a, you know, questions like that. But there are a couple questions in there that especially draw out where, they're, where they are spiritually that are not too invasive for them to answer, but they help you to get an assessment of where they are. And they open the opportunity to have spiritual conversations, much more so than other methods. That's why I like the Community Religious Survey. If you've gone to a bunch of strangers' houses and then you go through this, hey, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe he's going to come again? If he came again, if you thought he was going to come tonight, would you be ready? When, you, when you've done that, you realize, you know what? I survived it. I'm still alive. My heart's still beating. Hey, this is great. You'll, you'll realize that, you know what, I can do this. I don't have to give a full survey, but maybe I can strike up a conversation with the girl to check out next time that I was scared to death to do before. It actually will help you to learn to be a little bit more uh, upfront about spiritual things and what have you. So that's what I like about the community religious survey. There's other things I like about it. But there are different surveys. Uh, I mentioned to you like a, um, a community needs survey. Uh, and different people call them different things, where you're just, say your church does depression seminars and does cooking, vegetarian cooking schools and does, I had a pastor when I was in Westerville, he used to use this program that was put together called Women in the Driver's Seat. Man, I guess that would probably get somebody in trouble today. It's almost, you know, with our, the way people are with things, what are you trying to say? But in the day, in the day, he would, what he would do, it was this, a program where you would invite women in the community wanting to know more about like what do I do with my car when it breaks down and how do I I just don't feel comfortable like I I'm a single lady and and so this they would come to the program and he would 
lead out. This particular pastor just loved cars, and that was a thing. He, so he, he, he enjoyed it, and he would, uh, we would have, you know, we'd teach about how to check the tire, and I don't know if your tires are full or, you know, if there's something's going wrong there and how to change them, and then we would have labs where we'd, okay, we'll go from there, and we'd have teams. So the people who volunteer, the church members, they would be assigned to one of these ladies who would come, and so then during the lab, we'll go out into the parking lot, we'll help them to find the jack in their car, or help them to find out that there is no jack in your car. I don't know what happened to it, but there's not one here. At least they knew about that now. And we, I remember ladies saying, yeah, I've got a AAA membership, but I still want to know how to do it. How would you go about changing your oil? Well, we didn't change the oil, but some of the things we did, we'd go and we'd show them how to set the jack on the car and whatever else. And so, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a community needs thing. So... A community needs survey, you can go out and say, my name's Mark, I'm with the Community Wellness Center, the Westerville Seventh-day Adventist Church, and there are a number of things our church offers the community, and I'm just kind of curious as to the, what you might be interested in. It helps us to know better what to offer, maybe what to, where to put our attention. And so if you have just a few minutes, it would be very helpful, you know? And so some people like that kind of survey. It's not as invasive religiously, but it does it's a bridge. And then on the list of things, you, of course, will have Bible studies on there. And that kind of thing in spiritual meetings. But you also have, we have a stop smoking. Would you be interested in a stop smoking clinic or cooking school? Or So there are different approaches you can use. And I mean, if you do some searching around, there, there are endless numbers of things you can try to do. And that's why I didn't even, somebody said, do you bring the survey? Well, there's so many things that you could, you could do. But as the leader, you just want to decide what approach am I going to use? This is what I'm going to do. And if I am using the Bible study offer approach, now we did that in Grand Rapids instead of the... Uh, Wes had a modified community religious survey, but it just led into the Bible study offer. We're here with Bible study offer. And, of course, we had a lot of people that we were just following up interest from Bible study offer. They requested the studies. And in that, you just... In fact, did Marshall go over the app with you guys? No. Man, that is so cool. What I really liked about it is in the app... You've got, it's got a canvas in there. It's got the door approach. So, like, I'm just thinking, you know, Cameron and I are going to be working on Bible study offer, and this, I don't know that we're going to get an app so quick, but I liked what, so, you know, very similarly, you have the Bible study interest. In the app, you can pull up, like, what do I say when I go to the door? Boom, it's right there. This is how I approach the door. So if you forget... You know, but basically you're following up that interest. Hey, you expressed some interest. You went through our Bible school online. Uh, I see here, and I'm just following up to see, you know. So your approach is going to be based on whatever. But there are a lot of approaches. You don't want to come up with an approach that morning. You don't want to um, uh, let everybody just free-for-all. If you're planning it, you're organizing your teams, you're organizing your territory, you're organizing your approach. Follow that? Okay. Choosing which literature to use, that just goes kind of with your approach. I mean, even with the community religious survey, you know, what am I going to offer at the door? Um, one of the things I used to use a lot of, now we're in the Bible study offer, so I've been sticking with the It Is Written in the, in the historicals lessons, and I wish I had one in front of me, but I like the old Amazing Facts color study guides. Um, I don't mean the real old. Some of you remember that they've updated them and what have you, but the thing is, the thing I liked about them is, if I'm just going door to door and I'm meeting somebody for the first time and they've not requested studies and I'm doing a survey and leaving something with them, the likelihood of them going through and filling out the blanks on something is not high. And so those color amazing facts lessons, they had all the text right there. It was colorful so it'd catch your attention. Interesting cover. You'd flip through it. 
and, uh, and so it had a good, it was for that purpose, it was good. So I like to leave those as a drop off. And if the person over the course of time said, you know, I'm interested in an in-home study, we just switch studies. That's just how I would do it. But the other was a, was a attention grabber when I first went by. But it, the point is, you're going to choose, like, what material do I want? You don't want too much. You get too much material, and then you're overwhelmed. Like, which one do I give? Even with glow tracks, I want to tell you this when it comes to glow tracks. I don't have a gazillion glow tracks with me. I'm not going to hand them out. I'm just not. And there's some glow tracks I just plain won't give out. I just don't, don't particularly like them. And so it's not that I have something against the, like their error, but I just, I'm not going to be impassioned to give something out that I'm not interested in. And so I like to get just a handful of, you know, maybe three or four, a bunch of the, the four that I like, I'm going to be more motivated to hand those out. Um, when you're deciding what to hand out at the door and you've got a bunch of people, you don't want to have a gazillion things. Then people are like, what am I going to do? So you just, your role is to, let's, we're going to pick these options. That's why Bible study offer only has two options. I mean, are there only two things you can study? No, you can go, knock yourself out. There's a bazillion things you can study. But when you're heading it up, you've got to narrow it down somehow to make it easy. If you're to the point where you're like, but yeah, but I'd like to use this or that, you're beyond the point, I don't want to say beyond, but the point that Bible study offers targeting. Bible study offer to tar is targeting the lay people who were trying to get out, to get involved maybe for the first time in anything. And so if you're like, yeah, but I know some other things, well, you're advanced enough to be able to do that, fine. Give it their adoption. But that's why it's narrowed to what it is. And when you're planning the outreach, you want to do that as well. You want to keep that um, narrowed down. Now, once you've got all this done, you've got your territory, you know you're going to, and the initial organization is going to be the, the toughest part. Once you have it organized, okay, we went out, and, and I, I think I've got that coming up. You went out a couple weeks ago, you're going out again. Well, now you have the territory map. You have your teams. They already were out in their territory last week, so they know where they're going this time, right? Once you get this initial thing done that I just talked about, it'll roll out easier. But initially, you're going to have to set all that up. Does that make sense? Any questions on that? Let's, now, so from here, we're going to actually go. We're going to, we're going to plan it. We've got, we got it planned ahead. We're going to pick our Sabbath, and we're going to do our outreach. You need to plan a regular time. Notice letter A on, on top of page 3. Plan a regular and consistent outreach time and time limit. You don't want to wear people out. Now, when we did our full Emmanuel sessions, and once we got into outreach, the students, we'd, they, we'd be gone from three, uh, 3 in the afternoon to 9 at night. I don't do that with the members when I take the members out. It's a long time, and it's an overwhelming time. I consistently, this is what I've done. I'm not saying it has to be done this way, but what I've done and what I've felt worked re really well is I always plan when I start outreach with, and, and probably consistently with church members as a rule, I plan for an hour out at the doors. And so what I like to do, and I'm going to recommend this to you, uh, and I, I mentioned it way back on Sunday, <laughs> is I like to always get back together afterwards for follow-up. I don't want them going home. So I want to, we're going to get together, I'm going to send you out. In most churches, you can be in your outreach territory within 15 minutes, and you can be back within 15 minutes. So I say, we're going to be an hour and a half. I look at the clock and I say, okay, right now it's 4.30. So I want to be back. If you're doing outreach here, I'd say, I want you guys back here no later than 6 o'clock. 
That gives you time to get there. You'll have about an hour at the doors, and then I need you to get back here. And when you come back, what's going to happen is we're going to share how the experiences went, and that is huge. That is one of the most important, and I, I didn't always do that. It's one of the most important things because there are days that you're going to get little to no interest, but somebody else is the one who found all the interests, and then it'll be you the next time, but it just, you can be discouraged when you go door after door, people aren't home, nobody's in, this isn't, and then you come back and you hear that as a group, we got some interests, and I like to say there's no I in team, so you know, it's what we all do, we, we gain the benefit of it, and it's just, there's a, it's encouraging to do that, and so I plan on getting them out and getting them back, and I'll tell you, when you do that, that hour goes by quick. You're nervous about it and everything, and you're getting started, but you're going to run into doors. Some people might slam the door. Some people might be disinterested. But then you're going to find somebody who's going to be chatty. And you're, you'll be amazed. It's like, wow, I mean, they were so interested, and it's exciting and everything. And then, oh, look at the we got to get back. And I like to keep it in a time limit that doesn't wear people out to where they're like, I'm never doing that again. And so that's, that's worked well for us. Um, Okay, yes. So sometimes, sometimes the church members just say, hey, we want to do something, but we can't go out with you. Well, maybe you've got door hanger bags, and they can stuff those. And they say, maybe they stay back at the church and pray and have refreshments when you come back and things like that. That's a great suggestion. Yes, Richard? I, I don't until we do it again. That's just me. I, we've had that before. I remember when I did Bible work, I'd go out and I'd be like, well, you know, I went up and down the street and three out of, you know, 10 houses were home or three out of 15 houses. There's a whole bunch of people I didn't even meet. Now, I might go back, but here's the thing. If you have a decent sized territory, you've got so many more to do and you got to just trust the Lord's leading you to where you need to be. And then you could say, well, the devil had him not home. Well, that may be the case, but you've got a lot more to do. So I'm going to go through my territory, and then when I cover that, I'll go through it again. I'll tell you something else, too. There's always changes that take place in neighborhoods. So I've had people say, well, we did this last year. They went over to those apartments. You know what? Probably not a single person in those apartments is still there. They probably all, you know, I mean, you get that. That happened. But I, I just, if I go through my territory, you'll, it, be, it can be good. It depends on how much time you have, how big your territory is. A smaller community, perhaps you do that. It can be a real headache to try to remember because then you go back the next time and you found two more home, but then there's 12 that weren't. And how long do you do that? And it just can be very, and it could be that that whole time there's a person right the next street over who's moving in three weeks and the Lord wants you to get to that house. So an easy way to track the houses and numbers, you know, we're working on a, um, an app for that. I'd like to say there's an app for that. There are some that, uh, and that's what Marshall there, there's is trying to work in that direction. Uh, what I've found the best so far is just keep it doing it, keeping a spreadsheet or some kind of something like that. I mean, you can use, there's disciples, there's programs like that that you can use. Um, not everybody likes to use it. Uh, you just have to have a way that works for you as a leader or your interest coordinator. You want to plan an, a rate, so a regular time. Uh, I don't like to do every Sabbath because you're, you're going to lose your people. Saints aren't going to come every single Sabbath. You might do every other week. You might do every third week. Now, you get people who are interested in Bible studies, you're going to have to have people going to those studies beyond your outreach time. But you don't have to do outreach every week to generate interest. You can go every three weeks. And you can say, that's what we're going to do. If that's what's going to work, if that's going to keep your people coming and you have a consistent way to do it, great. And like I said, even then, you may put it on pause every once in a while if you've generated enough interest and you need to follow through with them. 
And if you're not doing the door-to-door, -door, but you're doing a Bible study offer follow-up and stuff like that, you use the same thing. It's just modified. You already have the interest. But you want a regular time you get together. That could be, like I said, every two weeks, every three weeks. It could be once a month. That's not a Bible study. You don't want once a month Bible study. Once you find the interest, you've got to have team members who are willing to give those studies, and they're going to be there every week. But we're just talking about the outreach portion of it, okay? You want to have a regularity. You don't just want a whenever the wind blows, and you're like, Maybe next week we'll have one. You want to have something consistent. That will help your people to stay consistent. Letter B, practice your door approach. You know, before you go out through the week, after prayer meeting, whatever, you know, people say, oh, I'm nervous about this. Just practice it. Sit around with each other, sit in a small group, and, uh, you know, go through. This is how we're going to do it door. That's just going to make it easier for you. It's, practice uh, makes anything go a little bit better. So, um, I say the same thing with Bible studies. I have church members say, I, I don't know how to give a Bible study. I'm like, how long have you been in the Adventist church? 20 years? And you don't know how to give a Bible Look, Sabbath afternoon, get some of your friends in the church, take a Bible study, one of those pre-printed, all sit together with the, it is written, and give each other Bible studies. Just practice it. You know, there's, I mean, that's a great way to spend Sabbath afternoon, better than a lot of people spend a Sabbath afternoon. Gives you practice, and you'll find that you do that a few times, and you're like, hey, this isn't so difficult after all. So, same thing, practice your door approach. Letter C, avoid chasing the devil's rabbits. First point under that, we do this on a regular basis. Pray for what? Speedy, Speedy rejections. Lord, if they're going to reject me, some people are chatty just to chat. They just like, oh, great, I like to, I like to argue Christianity. I'm not looking for people who want to argue. I want somebody who's interested in spiritual things. So I'll say, Lord... Just give us speedy... If they're going to slam the door, fine. Let them have it. Have them slam the door instead of just chatting and chatting for, for the whole outreach time. And I miss the guy two doors down that's been praying for the Holy Spirit to send somebody. Um, and I say that because if you look at that quote there from Acts of the Apostles, Ellen White says, All over the world, men and women are looking wistfully, that is longingly, to heaven. Many are on the verge of the kingdom, waiting only to be gathered in. Um, letter D, be enthusiastic. Uh, if you just read there below, if a salesman can be enthusiastic about a vacuum cleaner, can't you be enthusiastic about offering eternal life? Right? Don't be, don't be like, uh, you know, I'm here for our church and we have these, you wouldn't be interested in some, you know, I mean, we do that sometimes. Look, they might say no, but you can be excited about it. And so I paraphrase one of my favorite passages where Jesus tells the woman at the well, if you knew who it was who was asking you, you'd ask him and he'd give you the living water. My paraphrase is, if you realize who I am and what I can give you, you'd be coming to me instead of me coming to you. That's the attitude you need to have. You need to understand the value. They don't understand the value. They can't understand the value of what you have, but you need to understand the value. And it needs to be contagious. And the Lord will use that. And then finally, remember that victory is promised. I love this statement. That's Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9, page 42. says, Heavenly angels have long been what? Waiting for human agents, the members of the church, to cooperate with them in the great work to be done. So you're not alone. They are waiting for who? They're waiting for you. So vast is the field, so comprehensive the design, that every sanctified heart will be pressed into service as an instrument of what? How would you like to be an instrument of divine power? Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that sound awesome? God has promised that he's going to carry this thing through. And so we just need to trust him and go. Jesus promised... Um, through the, the psalmist in uh, Psalm 126, those who sow in tears, what? Shall reap in joy. He who continually go, goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall what? Doubtless come again with 
Rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You're going to have sheaves if you do this work. You want something? I know this sounds this afternoon. It's all mechanical. And we got all these little, but I'm just telling you, you don't organize well, you're not going to have success. It's a key to success. And just being organized, might, you know, might, might not do exactly everything that we talked about here. That's fine. But I'm just telling you, this is, it gives you an idea to have something that's regular and regularity. I'll tell you the best soul winners. We have some of the most dynamic preachers who don't win hardly any souls. You know why? Because they don't have a regular, systematic way that they work with. And I'm telling you, if you do this in your church, the Lord will give you souls. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.